Welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn. Today on the podcast, I spoke with Dr. Kieran Shekhar, a specialist and researcher at the Prince Charles Hospital in Brisbane, Australia. Dr. Shekhar is the author of a comment discussing a randomized controlled trial looking at cytokine adsorption in patients with severe COVID-19 pneumonia, both published in TLRM. Dr. Shekhar, there's been a lot of interest in research into cytokine storm thought to be associated with COVID-19. What do we know about the levels of inflammatory cytokines present in patients with severe COVID? Yes, cytokine storm has been a very widely debated topic. Since the early papers that demonstrated very high cytokine levels in patients who especially didn't survive, we have come to know that when compared with patients with sepsis or other causes of acute respiratory distress syndrome, uh, patients with COVID-19-related respiratory failure have much lower cytokine levels, in fact. This uh, notion of cytokine storm being the main driver has certainly been challenged. What treatments have emerged as being promising for or effective in targeting the inflammatory response seen in COVID-19, and how successful have these been in practice? Yes, I think that many, many treatments have been proposed, and many of them have been tested as well in clinical trials. I think all of them go back to the basic premise uh, that the, the disease, especially at later stages, is driven by the cytokine storm. And this has led to a lot of unproven anti-inflammatory treatments being proposed or being used. I think primarily there are two classes of drugs that are promising, and at least they've got some evidence. As we saw in the recovery trial and subsequent meta-analysis of clinical trials, of critically ill patients with COVID-19, we definitely shown that use of glucocorticoids has, it seems to be beneficial, especially when started in patients who require respiratory support as in oxygen or in those who require mechanical ventilation. Apart from glucocorticoids, of course, um, uh, the interleukin-6 receptor antagonists uh, such as tocilizumab and serilumab have been tested in clinical trials especially in the REMAP-CAP study uh, platform trial that tested these two agents, uh, there was clearly a signal of benefit when used in patients receiving organ support and when used early, especially within the first 24 hours. I think as we stand today, glucocorticoids and interleukin-6 receptor antagonists appear to be the most promising and evidence-based treatments one could apply to modulate the inflammatory response. There are many other promising drugs. I don't want to go through each one of them because they haven't been tested in well-designed, randomized trials. Alexander Sapati and colleagues looked at whether extracorporeal cytokine adsorption to remove IL-6 would be an effective treatment for critically ill COVID patients. How does this fit in with the other treatments available, and what is the rationale behind this being a potential option for clinicians? Yes, as we mentioned previously, I think there are several treatments that have been proposed based on pathophysiology and natural history of COVID-19. It once again goes back to the cytokine storm theory. Undoubtedly, inflammation is behind all types of critical illness. And we have seen some benefit with uh, modulating inflammation with the use of glucocorticoids as well as interleukin-6 antagonists. There is some evidence to back that by modulating inflammation, uh, we can potentially alter the course of the disease and improve outcomes. And as an extension of that, one way of modulating inflammation is directly removing the circulating inflammatory markers from the blood. Uh, in, in that setting, as an experimental intervention that 
deserves to be tested in clinical trials. I think Alexander Supari and his colleagues did the right thing by conducting this randomized trial. The authors of the single-center pilot trial found that there was no difference in the primary outcome of serum IL-6 levels measured at 72 hours between those receiving ECMO and cytokine absorption and those receiving ECMO alone. However, they did find that by day 30, there was a marked difference in mortality favoring the control group. Could you comment on why there might have been such a difference in mortality between the groups? Yes, you know, that's the worrying part. Is that the mortality difference was quite inexplicable in many ways and worrying too. And especially in a center that can achieve 76% survival at 30 days uh, in the control group, that's excellent outcome under the circumstances of a pandemic. And then to get 18% survival in controls, that's a remarkable uh, difference in survival at 30 days. Of course, this wasn't the primary outcome the authors were looking at, but nevertheless, I think the authors couldn't find any clear mechanism of harm or clear mechanisms to explain this mortality difference uh, based on extensive post hoc analysis. But at this stage, we could only speculate at best and few things could be possible. I think uh, one of them is the timing of initiation of this therapy. We should realize that by the time patients end up on ECMO, they would have failed a series of other supportive therapies uh, or possibly failed several other interventions. So by selection, these are the sickest people. And by the time they get on ECMO, they would have received several days of mechanical ventilation often, and possibly the peak of the cytokine storm, if such a thing exists, may have passed. And maybe it's to do with the timing. Uh, that's possible. And then comes down to patient selection as well, because uh, not all patients have similar inflammatory profiles. Based on their baseline inflammatory markers, it's possible that the patient population could be enriched and patients could be better selected in terms of offering this intervention. It's also possible that several beneficial mediators could have been removed from the blood. We know that the adsorber can remove a variety of biological mediators from the blood. And it's also possible that the interactions between uh, various other treatments the patient might be receiving, such as glucocorticoids or interleukin-6 blockade, or antagonists, and cytosol may also have played a role. I think it's very hard to explain this large difference in survival at 30 days. There was no major technical issues when the cytokine adsorber was incorporated in the ECMO circuit. So this remains a mystery in a way. What does this result mean in terms of how cytokine absorption should be used in the future and what should future studies focus on? Moving forward, cytokine absorption should only be used in a clinical trial setting, especially given the potential harm we've seen. In terms of better study designs or more refined study designs, we can look at whether we can select patients better using, for example, point-of-care techniques that will quickly tell us uh, which patients have very high inflammatory markers. Because one thing we see in cytokine absorbers is that the cytokine removal is concentration dependent. So maybe if patients with a very high baseline cytokine levels are, are preferentially offered this treatment, maybe uh, more cytokines could be re removed. 
uh, from the circulation. So essentially use of point of care essays to guide patient selection is definitely a promising thought. And then comes the timing, especially in relation to COVID-19 uh, and the natural history of the disease, maybe this treatment, if at all, should be attempted sooner, well before the patients uh, receive ECMO, maybe just as they did with the interleukin-6 um, antagonists, uh, which were tested within 24 hours of initiating organ support, uh, maybe this could be another therapy that can be tested around the same time. Having said that, we have to be cognizant of testing or offering multiple therapies within the same time period, especially when we are providing cytokine removal along with the proven uh, treatment such as interleukin-6 inhibition. One other way of refining future studies is to undertake predictive and prognostic enrichment of the trial population. Finally, what limitations from the study should we take into consideration when interpreting these results? There are no significant on limitations on face value, as we could see. It was a established, well-established ECMO center. They had experience with this technique. Of course, the sample size is small. I think the two biggest limitations, if at all, could be the timing of initiation and a relatively low biomarker level in the or cytokine levels uh, in both the arms. Uh, when treatment was initiated. So I think the limitation is not hugely significant. The both arms and the study seems to be reasonably balanced. And unfortunately, even within a small sample, we, we did see that dramatic differences in mortality. Dr. Shekhar, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Aaron.